Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. We want to continue looking at the thought of spiritual warfare. And uh, as we look in the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter, there's this peephole. Uh, the veil is lifted. We look behind the spiritual curtain and we see this uh, spiritual supernatural warfare that's going on between angels and demons. Uh, it is uh, surreal. It is terrifying. It is uh, mind-boggling to think that this is bigger than both you and I. That when we think about the devil and the demons of hell as well as the angelical host, that there is a raging war. And as Paul says that we are to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, we are not to be entangled with the affairs of this world, but we are to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so it does bring us a great deal of joy to serve the Lord. And as the Bible says in Psalms 100, serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. And we thank God that we are in the battle. I'm glad that I'm a part of the fight. I'd rather be in it than not in it at all. And uh, it is hard. And it is trying. And sometimes it seems uh, desperate. Yet God is always good. And this is a compelling passage for me personally in my own devotional life. It is one that is convicting, overwhelming. It has really captivated me. And I thank God for this 10th chapter to allow us to see behind the veil what's going on. And to know, as in the life of Daniel, as he's fasting, he's praying for 21 days, the Bible says he's not anointing his body. All of these things are playing in, weighing in, contributing to that spiritual warfare behind the veil. And for me, again, uh, the Christian life, you wonder, how much am I really doing? How much change? How much of an influence? You feel like you're spinning your wheels, and yet this is so very important. Stay faithful, stay passionate, be consistent, and uh, we shall reap if we what? Faint not. And so praise the Lord for that. All righty, let me just uh, read you a few of these verses to kind of dive off once again to the subject that we have here. And uh, we'll read in verse number 12. The Bible says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. Again, this is the angel speaking to Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Kind of makes you wonder, as you pray, we know that God hears. God is always listening. You wonder if certain elements of the angels, certain groups, maybe the entirety of them, hear our prayers. It may not be that way at all. It may just be God and God and His orchestration and leadership He commands. And in this place, He sent the angel because of the words of the prayer that Daniel prayed. But nevertheless, our prayers are heard. The Bible says in the very last verse, uh, part of verse 12, And I am come for thy words. I am come for thy words. But the prince, we talked about the prince there being an angel, Ephesians chapter 2, of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, Michael the archangel, one that disputed over the body of Moses, 
with the devil. One of the chief priests, a chief meaning a leader, an orchestrator, having, again, as we look in the spiritual realm of principalities and powers, dominions, uh, areas of government and rule and dictatorship or leadership, whether it be demonic or angelic. The Bible says one of the chief priests came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So again, just looking at this satanic battle, this spiritual warfare, a few weeks ago we talked about just very practical uh, principalities, powers, dominions, authorities as we looked at Paul's ministry. And then uh, I believe it was last Wednesday night we talked about the devil. We talked about elements of demons. We also talked about doctrines of devils, seducing spirits, and how the devil, he does transform himself into an angel of light. There's this, uh, no doubt, a truth of, of spiritual deception. We've been looking in the book of Revelation. Tonight we're going to continue just right along in that same genre and specifically pulling out truths that we find. So if you will, as we've been studying the book of Revelation, turn with me once again, and we're going to use this passage to really continue uh, looking and speaking on this thought of spiritual warfare. And as the, the devil is a roaring lion, as the devil is the deceiver of the brethren, as the devil is the father of lies, and as the devil is uh, one that would transform himself into an angel of light, Revelation chapter 17 speaks a multitude of words concerning that truth. He says in verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, John, saying unto me, John, come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. Now, he uses two words to give definition and description of this individual. This individual is the economy. The individual is the economy of religion, the umbrella of religion, all uh, under this cloak, under this covering of um, wholesomeness, godliness, uh, virtue, morality, and yet there is this strong delusion and deception. The Bible says that it is a great whore, meaning not only in its size, uh, numerically, the people that are a part of this, but in the economy, I, I also believe like none other time before. As we come to this tribulational setting, the Bible says the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Uh, people, as we look at those two words, many waters, uh, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. If you look at the wording here, you can go all the way back to the Old Testament and you can look specifically at the nation of Israel and as God gave them commandment to have no dealings, to marry not, to intermingle not because of false gods and false deities as they would creep in aware. And he speaks about it as the nation of Israel. God Himself divorced the nation of Israel in the Old Testament because of their fornication with other gods. Idolatry, witchcraft, uh, doctrines of devils, all of these things that we're speaking of. And so uh, the, the end world is all coming down the pipeline to this one world government to this one world leadership to this one world cloak of religion and anything that is not of Christ as the Bible speaks of Christ because uh, uh, there's a lot of Christian religion today that has nothing to do that's so far from Christ that really in definition according to the scriptures it's not Christian at all and so uh, we understand that religion 
is a bad thing. Religion is a blinding thing. Religion is a is is is, is an organization. It's a format. It's it's a, a false teaching in many ways outside of the boundaries of God's word. And this is what the devil does. These uh, kings, these rulers, these dictators, these authorities over the globe at this point in time all committed fornication, a symbol of allegiance, a thought of identifying with, yoking up with, submitting to, and up to this point, taking the mark of the beast, worshiping uh, the image and uh, all that's going on here. Look in verse 3. It says, So he carried me away in the spirit of the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of, na- of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, and having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and, and filthiness of her fornication. You know, even in the ministry of Paul, you look at how uh, today, in correlation with Paul, religions, all this great appearance, this ornate Gothic buildings, uh, the elaboration of costumes and presentations of priests and, and those that are officials in churches and elders in churches. Man, God's Word has something to speak uh, about all of those things. Vain repetition and etc. You know where I'm going here. The, the Catholic Church and the Pope and the exaltation of man and idolatry and man worship and, and uh, uh, everything that goes along with false doctrine. I was listening to a man the other day and he was on YouTube and he was preaching uh, and, and the question was, uh, as he's in a Christian apologetic, are the Catholic, is the Catholic denomination in church, is it a cult? And he said everything but the right answer and he tiptoed around the, the question and he was very politically correct and he was accurate to, uh, with kindness and so forth and so on. But the reality is anything, as Paul said, if a man or an angel preach any other gospel than I have preached, let him be a curse. And he says it two different times. And here we have work salvation. Here we have a merit of good deeds. Here we have baptism, infant baptism. Here we have confession of sins to a man. Here we have a multitude of deities and gods, whether it be in this denomination or this denomination or that denomination. And if it's not the Lord Jesus Christ, then it is uh, under this umbrella, the great whore. Look with me in Second Peter chapter 2. We've been talking about false teachers and as we understand doctrines of devils, uh, they are in fact that. Doctrines of devils, teaching. That's what the word doctrine means. These um, doctrines, these manifestations of, of uh, new revelation, new prophecy, new um, theology, if you will, what it is behind the scenes is a demon that has entered into the mind or the presence of that individual that possibly has even consumed that body and controlled that body. You look at different cults that are around, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. Historically, you look back at these individuals that were the leader and the organization, uh, the tool that the devil used to set all of these things up. And, and, and it's, it's amazing how uh, the reality is is that there was a demon that was implementing, orchestrating all of these religious doctrines to be submitted in the lives of these people that they would follow. 
that they would follow. Uh, the Bible says in Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two, and look with me down in verse one. The Bible says, "But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies." Notice, circle the word privately. Very sneaky, very subtle, very um, unbeknowing. This is the reality, even amongst uh, the children of God. They shall bring them in damnable heresies. That word damnable, when, when someone is damned, you're damned. A person is damned. Literally meaning that they have no hope. That they have been sucked into this. That they have believed a lie and so much the lie that they are literally going to fall off into the lake of fire believing this false teaching. I'm grateful to be raised in a Christian home. I'm grateful to be raised in, in a, 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 a home that magnified salvation through faith and grace. And I'm grateful to have the privilege to teach my children that as well. He says, privately shall bring in damnable heresies, heresies, uh, uh, false doctrines, teachings, a lie that embodies some kind of theological lie even denying the Lord that besought them and bring upon themselves swift, what? Destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, meaning highly destructive ways, uh, wicked ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. When you think about this, why is it that it's so... Hard for people to believe the truth. Why is it so hard and difficult for the world lost people to just accept the simplicity of the gospel that Jesus died and He was buried and He rose again and by faith and accepting that plus nothing minus nothing that an individual is saved. Why is this? Because the devil is blinding the multitude. Many, the Bible says, shall follow their pernicious ways. You can see it continuously throughout the Scriptures. Uh, look with me in the book of Acts chapter 20. You can even hear the words of Paul as he warns, as he's leaving one church going uh, through his missionary journeys. And Paul speaks this. He says in verse 26, Wherefore, take you record this day, I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare uh, unto you the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to flee, feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. For I know this. I know this. You know, there are some things that the devil is consistent with. And this is one of those things. He has always used Baal, Baal worship, idolatry. He's always used some form of false religion, false deity, and false god. Even as we look in the nation of Israel, as Moses was on, on the Mount Sinai, and what did Aaron, his second in command, if you will, take off your, break off your earrings, your golden rings, bring it, let's make a calf, and we'll fall down and say, this is our God that's brought us up out of the land of Egypt. He says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples. Disciples meaning a student. Meaning that there's a teacher after them. 
Wherefore, watch and remember that the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. With tears. You know, uh, we've looked at Matthew chapter 24, false teachers in correlation with the book of Revelation. You could go to a number of other places. Look with me in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. And I know at large I'm speaking and preaching to the choir here tonight. I know this is something you guys understand and believe. And and yet, it is good to teach. It is good to bring illustration to the Scriptures. It is good to remind as there is this lie that is overwhelming. It is overwhelming uh, in our world. It's growing. And that is you can believe anything and it's okay. And all roads lead to heaven. And that is definitely not true. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, he says in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. Again, as we've preached through the book of First and Second Thessalonians, as Paul was warning his church concerning uh, the rapture and concerning the tribulation and these events, um, there, was, there were people that had brought deception to the church, lies to the church. And he just says it. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. It says, Who opposeth and exalteth. The word antichrist is not only one that stands in opposition to Christ, but one who replaces Christ. This is what we see consistent with the devil. And it's all under this realm of doctrines of devils and demonic influence. Look with me in Mark. And I want you to notice this passage. I don't know if you've studied this. Um, it's been a long time or, or you, it's new to your heart. But you have this demonic presence. You have this maniac of Gadara. And... There are a few things that you could say about this man that as we look at him in his possession of demons, uh, as the demons have possessed him, there are three things that I want to pull out that are common traits with cults, that are common traits with um, doctrines of devils. What is the Word of God compared to? It's compared to water as it cleanses. It's compared to... Uh, uh, fire which would purify and refine. There are many different symbolic pictures that the Word of God is compared to to give meaning and description of what it is. We understand that the Bible, as the Bible says in reference to itself, Thy Word is truth. Sanctify them through Thy Word. Thy Word is truth. And so anything that is not of the Bible is a lie. And so you kind of find this consistent in these uh, doctrines of devils. Look with me in verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of Gadareans. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been bound often, often bound with fetters and chains, and, had, and the chains 
had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now I want to stop there, and I want to pull out three thoughts. First of all, this man was unclean. He was an unclean spirit. He had um, a multitude of demons inside of him. We understand in correlation to religion that's false teaching, false doctrine, uh, doctrines of devils. Because of the origin, it's truly a manifestation and representation of its character, meaning that it's unclean. The demons are unclean. The devil is the father of lies. He's the, he's the origin of sin. He's the creator of all that is wicked. So anything that comes from him, anything that would be a perversion is in fact that. A contamination. Paul said, we be not like many that pervert the Word of God. Many that do that. You think about Greater Lansing. How many religious organizations are there? You know, my boys and I, we were kind of chuckling this weekend. Uh, we passed like 17 churches, and at every church there was some kind of function. And we were joking, saying, uh, we could go to this church to get roast beef this weekend, and then next weekend we could go to this church to get turkey, and then we could, you know, it's like, man, whatever just happened to preaching the Bible, giving the Bible. Some kind of gimmick. And this, this man was unclean. Uh, the second thing that we want to notice and pull out here is that he was untamed. Meaning that as we go to the Bible, there's organization, there's structure, there is um, 66 books. We have a closed canon. The untamed nature of religions is that the sky's the limit. There's no organization. There's no limit on it. I mean, it, it could be uh, five years from now that that someone comes out with the greatest, largest, newest cult that the world's ever seen. And it would be a, a, a true, continual effort on the devil's part. It would be a, a consistency of his character. This is who he is. This is what he does. He doesn't care what if it's green or if it's red or if it's purple. He just wants people to believe a lie, so they go to hell. And then the third thing that we want to um, notice is that there is this unceasing anguish. Meaning that in false religions, although they have all of these merits and all of these things and all of these formats and all of these traditions of men, there's still this inward longing to be filled. There's this void, there's this emptiness. And I'm not saying that people that are a part of, uh, uh, you know, a, a Methodist church can't be saved, or or even a Catholic church that it could couldn't be saved. But at large, the denominations that that are testifying of of false doctrines and false truth, they are sending multitudes of people to hell because these people are believing a lie, believing a lie. And there is this spirit of consistency. Now, here's where I want to kind of close tonight. We look at doctrines of devils and we look at demonic, you know, de demonic possession. We think about all of these things. And, and, and 
I think many times, or at least when I was a young man, hearing a message like this, well, I'm saved. Well, the devil can't get me because I have the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I, I go to the right church. I hear the right Bible. Well, let me just say where the devil can get you. Um, as the Bible says, give no opportunity for the devil. Give no place for the devil. Let's go to a few places. Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I remember listening to a poem or a... It wasn't a rhyming poem, uh, but years ago I remember listening to a poem in church and it was talking about the devil having a meeting with demons and it was basically verbatim or... or, or um, not verbatim. It, it, I guess my, my thought or my concept, not knowing it word for word... Um, something along the lines that okay we can't get them because they're saved we can't get them because they have the right bible we can't get them because they are faithful this is how we'll get them this is how we'll destroy them and i think that that kind of lines up maybe somebody else knows that poem that i'm speaking of uh you can give it to me later but looking at ephesians chapter 4 he says in verse 26 and verse 27 it says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may men minister grace unto the hearers. I mean, the entire chapter speaks about areas of our life where the devil can get us. The devil can get us with deceitful lust. The devil could get us with uh, former conversations. The devil could get us of uh, speaking the truth, but not speaking the truth in love. The devil could get us with uh, uh, being tossed and carried about with every wind of doctrine. The devil could get us um, with vanities of our mind. I'm just reading different things that I have underlined here uh, th through, through my Bible. Look in chapter 4. He says down in verse 2, with all lowliness. The devil could get us with high-mindedness, pride, meekness, pride, with long-suffering, ungracious and unkind, forbearing one another in love. Sometimes we don't want to deal with people. The devil could get us there. I think that's all encompassing the thought of here, not to give place to the devil. What does it mean to allow the devil to come into our room, into our home, into our life? We know that he can't demonically possess us, Mark chapter 5, in that same context. But when we give place to the devil, meaning that there is the entertainment of our flesh, there is the opportunity to do what... Our will is. Look with me also in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll look in verse 6 and verse 7. First Timothy chapter 3. It says in verse 6, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and a snare 
of the devil. What is a snare? A snare can be something small, something insignificant. Usually it's just a wire, 15, 18 inches long. Literally. It's got a little uh, uh, um, loop knot on the end of it, twisted, hooked around a branch with some little meat dangling there. And you look at that wire, that wire within itself is not really that bad. But that's how the devil gets us. It may be for some a big a big trap, a big bear trap. You know, some kid, I remember when I was in Alaska, we went to Caltag, this village, and we drove in, my dad and I, on snowmobiles, and we went to the only little market, grocery store, hardware shop store that they had. They had a little gas tank. They sold gas. They sold essentials and etc. And one thing that they had a multitude of was their traps. All different types of traps. Different types of species. You don't set a small trap out if you want to catch a big prey or, or a big animal. You know, you, that's the devil, he knows who we are. He knows where we fall. And so, sure, I'm in the right church. Sure, I've got the right Bible. Sure, I'm, I'm going to stand on doctrine. But I can fall prey. Look with me in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 15 and verse 16. We'll kind of back up. And uh, you can look in verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Then he goes down and he says in verse 14, But if ye have bitter envies and strifes in your heart, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every what? Evil work. It is devilish, evil work. You know, what is he talking about there in the book of James? He's talking about the simplicity of that small member, the tongue. I can preach and I can be mean. It's the reality of, of life. For me, I can't wait to see Christ. I can't wait to see glory. I can't imagine the multitude of people that are there. I want to sit down with Abraham. I want to talk to these men. I want to see my grandfather. I want all these things to eternally be without sorrow and pain. I can't imagine that. But the greatest possession, eternally speaking, is the removal of our flesh. Because there's this constant this constant warring. It, 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 and, and without Christ, life is miserable. And even as a Christian, without Christ, we know He's saved us, but that daily devotion, that walk with the Lord... Without Christ, life is is miserable. I I uh, I wanted you to look last week at.
closing with Ezekiel, and we'll kind of close there. Ezekiel chapter 28. And I want you to really see all that the devil once was. And I think he still is in a perverted sense. We know in the makeup or the origin as God created these angels, these angelic beings, he, he's, as the old saying goes, he spared no expense. You look at these just so unique, so beautiful. As we were out enjoying God's creation, we were on the water and you know, I said to the boys, you look at all of this and people say that there is no God. All the different species of fish in one lake. Not just fish, but every living creature in that lake. The vast size of that body of water. And when you think about the trees and the species of trees and the beauty and how they all change, even as the seasons of life testify to the hand of God and as God gives. And sometimes we think fall is a removal of, of life, and yet really it's a preparation. It's a time for earth to have that regrouping and, and revamping so man can plant and man can till the ground once again, a rest, if you will. All of these things done and the cycles of life continual, continual, continual. We know fall's coming, uh, winter's coming, spring's coming, summer's coming, fall's coming. How fast does it go the older you get? Summer, what happened? We got robbed. There was no spring and then it was summer and summer wasn't really summer and then bam, here it is. And I'm thinking, are we already talking about snow? We are. And it's all of these things speaking of, of how beautiful God is and glorious God is. So Ezekiel chapter 28, uh, look with me in, uh, you can read the entire chapter, but for sake of time, look with me. Verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon king of uh, upon the king of Tyrus, and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the psalm full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Speaking of, of the, the, the devil, the sardis, topaz, the diamond, burial, and onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, carbuncle and gold, workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared where? In thee, in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherubim that covereth, and I have said thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Can you imagine what that mountain looked like or still looks like? Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned 
Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherubim. From the midst of the stones of fire thine heart was filled up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that thou that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth the fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror and never shalt thou be you know, what's Daniel chapter 10 kind of saying? I think we'll probably close tonight on the spiritual warfare. Look at chapter 11. This is the fourth vision that Daniel receives. And really, as we go to chapter 11, it's the meat. It's the meat. But Daniel chapter 10, just a reminder, as in the days of Daniel, as in the days of Christ, as in the days of Paul, and still in our day, there's this raging war. There's this continual spiritual battle. And I'm grateful to be in the fight. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word. Help us to serve you, to be faithful to it. Lord, may we uh, not give place to the devil in our mind, our heart, our home. Lord, this church, may we be on guard. Help us to be faithful to you because you've always been faithful to us. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.